We're in Zechariah chapter 10. And I've entitled today's sermon, The Birth of a Nation. And I'll be very honest, I was preparing for this sermon and I didn't know what title to give it. And then Angeline, uh, 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 who, who heads up the, the, the production here today, she gives me a text and says, Pastor Ferks, we need a title. It's already XYZ day. And immediately, the classic film by, I believe it's D.W. Griffiths, I didn't check it, um, The Birth of a Nation, popped into my head. And I thought, okay, I shouldn't ignore this. But am I going down the nation angle? I'm not so sure. You know what? Birth of a nation sounds right. Birth of a nation sounds right. And as soon as I, as soon as I texted Angeline back, birth of a nation, the Lord started speaking to me. So guess what, church? Sometimes we need to obey the prompting and then He makes it reasonable and then He gives, makes it make sense. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we say yes, you know, and I'm not asking you to say yes to like, to like you know, uh, 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 reckless things or illegal things, but sometimes the Lord just gives you a nudge and says, how about this? And you say yes, and then He makes it make sense. And then I started to see that ever since God formed His people, He has been in the business of gathering them, of growing them, of giving them a unique identity, of making them distinct in this world and getting them to reflect His glory. And He did that with Adam and He gave him a high calling and He said, through you, right? He created everything. It's like a temple. He creates everything and then the final piece that goes in is the image. If finally the image goes in and this image is there to show everything else what the God looks like. And so he puts Adam and Eve into the garden and then time passes, people become numerous, they love a lie and they stop loving one another. And then everything falls to ruin. And then years and centuries later, he gathers them again. And then we have Abraham, God singles this one sojourner out from among the, I don't know, we can't even imagine how many sojourners there are moving about in the, in the Middle Eastern landscape. But he singles one guy out and says, out of you, I will form a nation. I will birth a nation through you, Abraham. And then he births this nation day by day from one man to, a, to two sons and then through a family from one, one side of the family and then it grows and it grows and it becomes numerous and they are forming, they are forming and then they love a lie and they stop loving each other and then everything somehow starts to go all cantankerous, starts to go all creaky, you know, if something get, all gets creaky and then you know the patriarchs one after another and then everything just ends up with them in Egypt and then they spend some close to 400 years there in slavery and then the, they go in as a tribe. They come out as a nation. They come out as a nation, but they are lost. They don't know what they're doing, right? They don't know. If they had it their way, they would just walk right back like a dog right back to its vomit. They would go right back into their old ways and God singles out another man and He says, now Moses, you will bring them out and out of, out of this project, I will take you out, take all of you out and I will birth a nation. I will form and I will transform these people. 
and convert you into something, that image. Remember, when I put Adam and Eve in to reflect me, I'm going to put you guys in among the nations so that when they see you, they will see my face. They will see my character. They will see my moral perfection. They will see that when they see you. Wow. Wow, hashtag no pressure, right? And then, and then they grow and they go and they wander around and they love a lie and they stop loving each other, and they bicker, and they fight, and they, and they turn tongue God. And next thing you know, again, it all falls apart. Again, they have to restart. Again, God says, I'm going to be patient with you. I'm going to grow you again. And then He gives them kings. Even though He didn't want to give them kings, He said, I'm going to be your king. I'm going to be your king. They said, no, we want to be like everybody else. He says, You're not the, that's not the nation I want to birth. I want to birth a different kind of nation. I want to birth a nation that looks up for their king, not looks sideways for their king. And they said, no, give us a king, give us a king. And then he started giving them kings. And through King David, he started to say, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to do this again. I'm going to birth a nation again. And I'm going to draw you. And I'm going to make you numerous. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to grow your, your, your tent and give you increase. And, and, and now, and now, if you hold on to my covenant, then when the world sees you, they will see me. And then they grow numerous. And then they love a lie. And then they stop loving one another. And on it goes until the, they split into two nations. And then the northern kingdom is called Israel, sometimes called Ephraim, sometimes called Joseph. And that northern kingdom gets attacked by Assyria when they love the lie and they stop loving one another. And then they got captured by Assyria and they brought north. And then the southern kingdom starts to do the same do the same and God is God rebukes them and God takes them out of their land and quite virtually for the first time since they settled they left the land they left the land and now there's unoccupied land and they left went to Babylon 70 years and there they learned the consequence of loving a lie and stopping to love one another and God brought them back. He said, I'll bring you back and I'm going to form you and I'm going to transform you and I'm going to bring you back and again, again it will happen. I'm going to birth this nation all over again. And that's where we land in Zechariah 10. They come back and God says, we're restarting this, my friends. You all ready? You guys are ready? Because I'm ready. I've been ready. I've been ready. We should have gone far by now. And I'm ready. Church, SIBKL, are you ready? SIBKL, are you guys 130 in Bangunan Yin? Are you ready? I don't think online can hear you guys, man. I don't think online can hear you. You, you know what? Online sound is caught by my cheek. <laughs> okay? So, so we're gonna, we gonna thunder in this place like it's full capacity, by the way, is 1003. You have 130. Okay? But each of you is gonna roar like 10 mighty rivers. Amen? Okay? So, online, are you ready? Yes, right? Yes, right? Bangonan Yin, are you ready? Yeah. All right, good. That's good. We are ready. And Zechariah 10 is the people of God becoming more and more ready. But I'm going to cheat and give you the end. I'm going to give you the end. They got ready and they got quite good. And then over time, they loved the lie and they stopped loving one another. And then God said, Enough. Enough. 
I'm giving you Jesus. I'm giving you my son. He's going to come. He's going to break out of eternal, uh, 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 eternal with me-ness. <laughs> and he's going to come. And he's going to be like one of you. And through him, you are going to learn how to stop loving a lie. And you're going to learn to, to, to love one another. And he's going to tell you one day that the two greatest things you could ever do is to love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, all your strength. Why? Because I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? You're going to love the truth. You're not going to love the lie anymore. You're going to love the Lord with all your heart and you're going to learn what? To love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that is where the real story is really going to end. And now we're going to rewind back to Zechariah 10 and we're going to read this, right? So let's read. Let's read Zechariah 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 1. Okay, I forgot. I'm supposed to click my own slides. Haven't been doing this for years, okay? We are today... Okay, I'm not quite sure if this is working. All right. Oh, there's a fade. Oh, right, cool, cool, cool. All right. Zechariah 10, you guys can see it on the screen. You guys can see it on your screens online. Yep, you can see it on screens. I can see it on my little screen here. Verse 1, ask rain from Yahweh. If you permit me, I'm, I'm going to use the original Hebrew name. Uh, uh, in your Bibles, it will be rendered as the Lord, capitals L-O-R-D. Um, the original Hebrew says Yahweh. It's much more personal. It's not a God. It's a difference. It's like the difference between saying, I'm having dinner with, with my father versus I'm having dinner with Papa. Right? That's the difference, right? That's how big the gap is from this. So, so, so I much prefer to render it this way. Ask rain from Yahweh. In the season of the spring rain, from Yahweh who makes the storm clouds, and He will give them showers of rain. And to everyone, the vegetation of the field. And I'm clicking. And I'm waiting for this to change. Okay, I'm, I've got my... Okay. For the household gods utter nonsense. Wow. So it's not that they are utter nonsense, even though they are utter nonsense, but they utter nonsense, okay? Okay, they utter nonsense, so candid. Um, and the diviners see lies. They tell false dreams and give empty consolation. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for lack of a shepherd. See, the first, see the first threat to forming and transforming is that they love a lie, right? right? The diviners are telling them lies, telling them sweet, squeaky, public relations lies. Empty consolation. And they say, and because of that, they're afflicted. They're lost. Verse 3, my anger is hot against the shepherds. Why? I will punish the leaders for the Lord of hosts cares for his flock. So they stop loving each other. They stop shepherding each other. They stop caring for one another. And God says, God says, this is, this is Yahweh Sabah, okay? Lord of hosts cares for his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them like his majestic steed in battle. Think about that. They are flock. They are sheep. He's going to turn them from sheep into a majestic steed in battle, right? Let's go. Okay, verse 4. Verse 4. From him shall come the cornerstone. Who's this? Who's this cornerstone? 130 here. Who's this cornerstone? It's Jesus. Okay, online. Let's look at this. From him, the tent peg. A tent peg keeps your tents down. Okay, so that weather 
cannot blow your house around. Okay? The tent peg anchors you down. From him shall come the battle bow. If you don't have a bow in battle and all you have is arrows, you won't succeed. Okay? You won't succeed in battle. And from him, every ruler. So from him, from the cornerstone, from Jesus, is going to come every ruler. Wait, I thought he was the ruler. From him is going to come every ruler who is going to what? All of them together, they shall be like mighty men in battle. And I see a lot of women here today. So today, I'm going to say this, mighty men and women in battle. Amen? Amen? All right? Trampling the foe in the mud of the streets, they shall fight because Yahweh is with them and they shall put to shame the riders on horses. Verse 6, I will strengthen the house of Judah and I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have compassion on them and they shall be as though I had not rejected them for I am Yahweh, their God, and I will answer them. Then Ephraim shall become like a mighty warrior, and their hearts shall be glad as with wine. Their children shall see it and be glad. Their hearts shall rejoice in Yahweh. I will... I can't whistle, okay? okay? I can do the type of whistle, okay? But I can't do the, the really loud one where you stick your fingers in your, in your mouth, right? I will whistle for them. I love this. And gather them in, for I have redeemed them. And they shall be as many as they were before. One day, you guys are going to be as many as you were before. Amen. Amen. Online, you guys are going to join them here. And they're going to be as many. You guys are collectively going to be as many as you were before. Even more. Even more. Though I scattered them among the nations, yet in far countries they shall remember me. And with their children, they shall live and return. I will bring them home from the land of Egypt and gather them from Assyria. And I will bring them to the land of Gilead and to Lebanon till there is no room for them. Somebody say amen that one day the house of God will have so many, so many, there will be no room for you. And then all the extras, Isaac Ling, please ask them to come to Sungai Bulo, okay? Until there will be no room for them there too, okay? And then we keep on keeping on, okay? He shall pass through the seas of troubles and strike down the waves of the sea. And all the depths of the Nile shall be dried up. The pride of Assyria shall be laid low. The scepter of Egypt shall depart. I will make them strong in Yahweh. And they shall walk in His name, declares Yahweh the Lord. Father, we thank You for this word. And I just pray You go ahead and use this word and turn it into real fire that forms and transforms. And these are my two points today. If there's anything you want to take home today, just remember Zechariah 10. It's about the formation of a nation and the transformation of a nation. Now, I'm going to take you in a moment to the first verse. But have you guys heard, okay, here and online, okay, have you guys heard this, this thing where people say that, the, that the, the Eskimos have like some few hundred words for, for snow? Have you guys heard that? Well, I started to, yeah, it sounds logical, right? Because like, what do we know about snow? We'll have one word for snow, right? But there are many. Um, and then I started digging around and I realized that actually that has been contested. It may not be true. Some linguists say no. But you know what? You don't have to worry about Eskimos. You can look at Malaysians. Now, I ask you, my friends, how many words, if you live in a Western country, how many words do you have for bean curd? One. You know what's that word? 
tofu, right? If you live in a Western country, bean curd is tofu. Any form of bean curd is tofu, right? But I'm a Hokkien and I live in Malaysia and bean curd for me, let's see how many, let's see how many we can do, okay? Is tau kwa. Bean curd is tau pok. Bean curd is tau hu. Bean curd is also tau ki, right? The skin, right? It is Tau chu, right? The one you eat with teochew porridge. It is tau chu. It's the small, salty one, okay? And there is tau hui, your drink, right? So tau ge, no, tau ge doesn't count. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't count, okay? How many more? You guys can help me? 130 here. Do you all, can you all think of any other, any other bean curd words? No? No? I hear something. Tau, tau sa pia. No, Tausapia doesn't count. Tausapia doesn't count, okay? I can think of seven. Seven words for being cut for all of us, okay? Now, the Jews have different words for rain. Hmm. The Jews have different words for rain. And they have different words for rain to talk about the different types of rain. We've got drizzle and rain. Like, what do we have? A drizzle and rain. Okay, precipitate. Nobody, nobody uses that, right? <laughs> okay, so, so, but I tell you something. The opening words of Zechariah 10 says, ask for rain. The first word for rain is just generic rain, right? Generic rain. Now, then, okay, now let me go to my Zechariah 10, okay, because I want to show you the slide, but I want to read to you. Ask rain from the Lord in the season of spring rain. So spring rain is the word malkosh, okay, malkosh. From the Lord who makes the storm clouds and He will give them geshem. So you ask God when malkosh is supposed to come, when malkosh type rain is supposed to come, okay, and then suddenly different kind of rain comes. He gives you Geshem rain. Ah, so what is Malkosh rain? What is Geshem rain? Let's go back to, uh, to the... I've got a visual here, okay? But if I can get the team... Okay, cool. Now, the agricultural cycle in Israel in biblical times. So these days, they've got like irrigation on tap, okay? So this doesn't count anymore, okay? Uh, but in biblical times, the agricultural cycle each year begins in November, Okay, in November, when the farmer sows seeds, they put seeds into the ground. And then from then until March, the seeds will grow. They will grow. And around March, the barley gets harvested and the flax gets harvested. Then later, the wheat gets harvested all the way through summer until by around August, then the fruits, the summer fruits, the grapes and, and the olives gets harvested near... August, right? So you see, one November seeds are sown, two around March they start to harvest. They harvest different crops all the way until August when they finish, and then the land will rest until they sow seeds again in November. This is tied into their rain cycles. So the rain cycles looks like this, okay? They get Early rains, early rains, okay, which is the, which is the, um, which is the, the, the Geshem rain, okay, this Geshem rain, okay, uh, the, what it does is it rains showers, lots of showers, a lot of water, and the purpose of these showers is to cause the seed to shoot up, 
Okay, this is the rain that causes the formation. It is the rain that delivers you formation of your stalks. Okay, and if if you don't get Geshem rain, they'll be stunted. And that year, your crop's lousy, okay? And then, there is another rain cycle, okay, around April. That is the spring rain. That's the spring rain, the Malkosh rain that you see, that they're saying, it's, it's the springtime. We are asking for spring rain, right? This is the latter rain. And some of you, in your, if you're reading some older translation of the Bible, you may actually have early rains, latter rains, right? Okay, so it's that rain, right? This is the rain, very heavy, sudden rain, okay? And this is the rain that waters the ground so that the crop and your fruit will mature, okay? So if you don't get your, your latter rain, then your fruit, your, your, your tree will be, be high, but the fruit will not mature properly, okay? So you need rain. You need different types of rain, right? So, Zechariah 10 opens with Zechariah saying that here we are in the season of latter rain. We are in the season where we want to see the crop mature, the fruit mature. We are waiting for God to do something in us to bring us and push us into the level of maturity. God, we don't want to drink milk anymore. God, now we want to eat solid beef steak, right? We want to eat solid food. And we ask for that kind of supplication. And God gives a different kind of rain. He gives you Geshem rain, the rain that should have come earlier. Why? Maybe because it didn't come earlier? I'm not sure. Why? Maybe because in the past, we grew and then we, we, we regressed? Is it that? Or maybe it's because now is the season and God has a different kind of season from what this. God says, this year, this cycle, this cycle for you, my people, it seems like it is time for you to ask for the maturing of the crop. But you know what? I'm going to send you rains that will grant you formation because you've overlooked that. And you don't realise that you're looking at the natural world and you're saying that this is a time for a certain kind of, of development. But I'm saying to you that you are in a season where you have gone, where you have never gone before. And this is where, you've, this is where I'm taking you. For me to take you there, I need to form you, O Israel. I need to form you into a people. I need to birth a nation out of you. And so at this time, he is going to do this. We see this. Ask rain of Yahweh and He gives you spring. He gives you the early rains, the rains that will cause you to shoot up, grow strong and form. The birth of a nation comes from the forming first. The forming first. If you were not formed, you cannot transform. There's nothing to transform from. You need to be formed. The maturing of a crop is the transforming. But the forming of the crop must take place first. And that's where Israel is at. The forming of a nation. And so, I want to show you this, my friends. I want to show you this because verse 6 and 7 are fascinating. So historically fascinating to me. It says, I will strengthen the house of Judah. Understandable. Because Judah has just come back. But then look at this. And I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back. Really? No, really? 
I will bring them back because I have compassion on them and they shall be as though I had not rejected them for I am Yahweh their God and I will answer them then Ephraim shall become like a mighty warrior. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Pastor Ferks, I thought I heard you say something earlier. Something about the northern kingdom, the northern tribes. By now, friends, by now, Zechariah's time, it's been 200 years. It's, been two, it's, it's like us now looking at the 1800s. That's 200 years, right? It's 200 years since, the north, since Joseph and Ephraim have been taken away to Assyria. They have been intermarrying and genetically... They are irretrievable. At this stage, maybe not irretrievable yet. Okay, maybe not yet irretrievable. We know from, from history, okay, that they never return. We know that 2,000 years have passed. And that never happened. So what's this trying to say? I understand. I will, I will make Jodah strong. I understand. But I need to spend a bit more time thinking about this and praying about this. Lord, what are you saying? When you say 200 years after Joseph has gone, uh, you say that I will bring back Joseph. I will bring back Ephraim. I will, bring, I, I will whistle for them. They will come back again. And as I was praying, the Lord reminded me, Fergus, don't you remember Revelation chapter 21? How many of you guys remember Revelation chapter 21, right? And there is a city. It is called New Jerusalem. And in New Jerusalem, which descends from the heavens, it comes down and it's a beautiful new city. And you know what? That's our eternal home, my friends. And in that new city, there are gates. And there are 12 gates and, uh, uh, around the four walls of the city. Three, 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 three. And on each of the gates, there is a name. And on each of those names the sons of Israel, all 12. Every son has a seat at the table. I will form my people again. I will form my people again. So my friends, you can look into your Old Testament and see at one point, Simeon disappears. You can look at your Old Testament and say, at one point, the other nine disappear. And then you can look at, at the 144 and you say that Dan is not there. But I want to share, share this with you, my friends. You look at the very, 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 very end at Revelation 21. And every son has a seat in the house. Every son has a seat at the table. I'm going to reform my nation. I'm going to reform my people. So my friends, I thank God that all the good things that got lost, even some of the good things turned bad things, turned good things, turned bad things, that got lost. He has a perfect plan for them. And I say for them, but I really mean for us as well. Because their story is really not very different from our story. You know, my friends, when you look at a chapter like Zechariah 10, it's like looking at, like, what? what he, he, okay, so, so, so we've, we've looked at Zechariah's time. We've looked at Revelation 21. And it's like there's so many different things happening. And it, it's a little bit like looking at a mountain range head on, 
right? If you look at a mountain range head-on, you can't quite tell which mountain is nearer to you and which mountain is further from you. You might be able to tell from the colour uh, um, and, and from, 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 from the placement, but you certainly can't tell how far apart they are from each other, right? How far are my two hands from each other? You can't quite tell how many cm, right? Like you can't tell how far they are from each other because it's like this. But if I showed you like this, you can tell how far they are. So, my friends, sometimes when you look at Old Testament prophecy, it's a little bit like looking at a mountain range head-on and, you, and you're seeing things for now. You're seeing prophecy for mid-section. You're seeing prophecy for the end times. And so, let's go like this, okay? Let's go like that. And this is something I want to share with you guys that is helpful once you start reading lots of Old Testament prophecy, multiple fulfillment of a prophecy. Zechariah 10, some parts of it gets fulfilled right there and then. Some parts of it is going to get fulfilled later and then others later, later. And then some parts of it are going to get fulfilled as their very end and last things. And it's hard to tell it apart when you look at it 2D from your Bible like this, like, whoa, I see everything. So I want to help you to see this. What's happening in Zechariah 10, okay, is this. Remember, I'm going to make Judah strong. I'm going to save the house of Joseph and I'm going to make Ephraim a mighty warrior. Where do all these things come in? I shared with you just now, but let's take a look. Zechariah 10, okay, there is... There are some parts of this where Zechariah and God is speaking directly to the people in Zechariah's day. Some of this prophecy is going to get fulfilled like right there and then. Right there and then. What? I'm going to whistle for my people. They're going to come back. They are going to come back. You know what? After this, more people started coming back. They, come, they started coming back from Babylon, they, the, by now Persia, right? But Medo-Persian Empire started releasing more and more people over the, the, the next period of history. More of them come back. So in many ways, this prophecy speaks of the exact things happening for them at that day. Did they regather? Yes, I'm clicking this, but it's not working. Okay, um, uh, so more of them do come back. Some of this prophecy is working there. And I know when you hear this, many of you are going to hear shades like, whoa, Israel, Israel reformed in 1949. This, this is it. Like, I see it. It's all there, right? And I believe that, that, that you, you heard some of it last week when Pastor Chu preached. And tomorrow, Pastor Chu is going to continue preaching. And I can't read his mind, but something tells me that he's going to, to touch on that a little bit as well, right? Because we know how much uh, uh, this is such a huge part of Pastor Chu's heart and is passionate about it. And, and so, and so I, I'll leave that to the expert who is Pastor Chu. Okay, but, but the one that I really want to help you see is that some 2,000 years after Zechariah, some 2,000 and, two, no, 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 some 500 years, 500 years after Zechariah, Jesus came into the picture, right? And then after that came the church. And the church, that's us. I, I love this so much because that's us. That's every single one of us. And that's, and that's we are part of the fulfillment of the, of the prophecies given in Zechariah 10. That's why I dare to say here that one day God is going to fill this space again because I can claim this prophecy because it is for... Now you're thinking, sure not. Of course I'm sure, right? Because God has adopted 
all of us, Gentiles, non-Jews, He has adopted all of us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be His sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Romans chapter 8. And, and God has also said elsewhere that we have been grafted into the family tree of Abraham. That's Romans chapter 11. And he says elsewhere, it is not the descendants of flesh who are the sons of Abraham, but the descendants of promise who are the sons of Abraham. Romans chapter 9. And he says that it is going to be the sons of faith who are adopted into the family of God. That's Galatians chapter 3. And also Galatians 3, it says that therefore, out of all of these things, there is now neither female nor male, neither slave nor free man, neither Jew nor Gentile. Every single one of us united now in Christ. United. No, that's not to say that, that actual ethnic differences don't exist. We know that's not what uh, um, uh, Paul means, right? What he means is that in the family of God, we look past these things now because we are united in one spirit, one salvation, one gospel, one baptism, one spirit, one Lord. That's us. We, church, are you excited? Church, you're there. You're in this story. This is your story. Are you guys excited? Online, are you excited? Make some noise on the chat. 130, are you excited? I'm excited because I'm part of the story of salvation, right? And nobody's a lost cause. In SIBKL, we say saving souls is not a lost cause. You want to know what Jesus says? He says saving Ephraim is not a lost cause. I'm going to save them one day. And he says saving the church is not a lost cause. Saving the Gentile nations is not a lost cause. That's why you and I are here today. Amen? And he says, you still don't believe me? He says, First Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2 says that you are now a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy what? Nation. Come on, somebody, somebody shout out the praise to the excellencies of Him. Come on, church. Come on, church. I know we are a bit rusty. We are a bit rusty with this call and response thing. Come on, church. Somebody got an amen? You're not just amening because a pastor said amen. You're amening because you have been grafted into a promise that's going to last until forever. Church, are you excited? Yes, I'm excited. I'm so excited. He's forming us. He's, he's, he's birthing a nation out of us. A holy nation out of us. Oh, I'm so excited. I may be moving too much for the cameras, but I'm excited. And that's what He's going to do. He's forming you. And then He's transforming you. He's gathering us again as a people here in the hall. And after that, He's going to transform us. And you know what? It's not linear. He's forming and transforming us over and over and over again. Like we thought that while we were in the Babylons of our own homes, you know, so to speak, that we were waiting to one day be regathered so that He can start the formation. He, is, he has been working on that formation. For the last 20 months that I've not been here preaching to you guys here, he's been working on that formation as well. And every Sunday, he's working on that formation and Monday. And today, I want to challenge you with this one thing, my friends. What is he doing in you? What has he been doing in you? I want to believe because I see you here. I do believe. I don't just want to believe. I do believe that you are a resilient population. I believe, yes, thank you. I love that whoop. For those of you online, someone here said, whoop. <laughs> and I miss this kind of things in church. 
I believe you guys are a resilient population because we've gone through some, some 19 months of not being able to do this normally and here you are still standing. By whose power? Lord's power. By the power of Yahweh. Why? Because Zechariah 4 says, not by might, not by your strength, by His power, says the Lord. He's going to regather, reform, and retransform you all over again. He's forming you. He's transforming you. But we must remember. We must remember. Because the, every time He did that with the people of old, they ended up loving a lie and they stopped loving each other. Over and over again, they kept going back to their old ways. And that is a, that's a grim reminder for every single one of us that the nature of our broken hearts and souls is that we are, we, we are prone to following, chasing after every next shiny thing that dangles some kind of counterfeit hope that is more immediate, quicker into the bloodstream. But it doesn't last. It doesn't last. It's not real. It's not real water. And Jesus gives you the spring of living water. But you gotta, you got to be patient because that water rises up from the core. That water takes its time and He's telling you, friends, friends, don't go around shooting any kind of hope into your bloodstream that does not satisfy. But the people of the past, and we know from scriptures, even there'll be more people in the future, will keep on falling for a lie and will keep on ceasing to love one another, fighting for themselves, jostling, fighting, ignoring, neglecting those who are weak around us. And that's why, that's why we have to remember that the, that the Word of God says that the household gods utter nonsense. Don't listen to them. All these other things utter nonsense. Utter nonsense and they utter nonsense. Don't listen to them. And then he gets angry with the shepherds. So many shades of Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Cross-reference Jeremiah 23. Go back and read, right? Because Jeremiah 23, he says to the shepherds of Israel, you guys have neglected my people. And one more, even longer cross-reference, Ezekiel 34. Oh, Ezekiel 34. My gosh, one of my favourite chapters of the Bible where he scolds the shepherds of Israel because you took the best sheep and you exploited them and you gained from them and you leveraged on them and then you spat them out and I myself will come and shepherd my sheep, says the Lord. Wow. Then John 10.10, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I've come to shepherd my sheep. I fulfilled Ezekiel 34. I've come. And, I, and he didn't just fulfill Ezekiel 34, he fulfilled Jeremiah 23. And guess what? He fulfilled Zechariah 10. Zechariah 10, he's fulfilling it because he says here that I, I, what does he say? I will punish the leaders for the Lord of hosts cares for his flock. What? I will make them. Somebody say, I will make them. I will make them. Not paksa make will buat, will jadi make, I will jadikan, right? I will transform them, not I will make them like, ah, I'll make you. No, that's not our God. You and I know that's not, that's not Yahweh. He's never been that kind of God. I will make them into what? A majestic steed in battle. You know what's a majestic steed in battle? It's not a sheep. Sheep are known for their timidity, lostness, blur sotong, 
right? Every day also must be like, oi here, oi here, and still like, like I saw this, there's this famous clip on Instagram, it's, it's, it's everywhere, right? Of this sheep, where they're pulling the sheep out from the ditch, you know, and they're like pulling and pulling the sheep out, and then the sheep comes out from the ditch, and he's so happy, and he's like, yay, boom, 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 bang, back into the ditch, right? <laughs> I love that clip, that's me, that's me, oh God, that's me, I'm sorry, I keep falling into the ditch. And that's all of us. But you know what? He is transforming us. Transforming us into what? A majestic war horse. He's transforming us into, a, into, a, into an instrument, a, a vehicle for Him to, who's battling. God's battling. But we are co-battling. We are bringing His presence. We are bringing His might. We are bringing His battle into the battlefield. Who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Who brings God in? We bring God in. Who wants to bring God in? Say, Amen. I want to bring God in. Say, Amen. Amen. I want to be transformed. And that doesn't mean that we lose our sheepness before Him. Oh, I love being His sheep. Oh, I love being dumb before Him and, 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 and just like, oh God, I'm so stupid. I love you. You're so much more wise than me. I love that sometimes because you know what? It's good, right? It keeps us humble, right? And, 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 and sheep, are, sheep are tender and they love being in the arms of the shepherd. I love that motive. But let's not forget, somewhere in the midst of all these metaphors, He's transforming us into a mighty people who will go in and trample the foe under our feet. Amen? That's why he says in Romans chapter 16 that, that, that the serpent will get trampled under whose feet? Under whose feet? One day he will crush the head of Satan under your feet. Your feet. Our feet. The feet of the church. He will trample the head of the serpent under our feet. Who does that? The church goes in. That's us. But how will it happen, my friends? How does a war horse come from a sheep. i got a lame joke coming up, so you better laugh, okay? How, how does a war horse come from a sheep? Through worship. <laughs> oh God, so bad, so bad, so bad. I'm sorry. Online, if you've fallen over your chair and you're, and you're dying in cringe, I'm sorry. But, but you, can, uh, you can take that to the bank. You can take that to the bank. How does a war horse come from a sheep by adoring God, by coming into that place where worship becomes transcendent. You abandon yourself in your God so that He can take over. And when He takes over, He can form. And when He's done with forming, He can transform. Just don't let go. Here I bow to lift you high. Because if your knee cannot bend, he cannot come in. He can't form. He wants to form. And part of the formation is bent knees. Here I bow to lift you high. Right? Oh, let's go on because I'm going to run out of time. For from him shall come the cornerstone. From him the tent peg. From him the battle bow. And then all of us will march out. My, my friends, what is God forming in you? My friends, what is God forming around you? He's doing something in you. Make no mistake of that. And if you are attentive to His work, you will know what He's doing in you. And I want to encourage you, once in a while, slow down and be attentive. Pay attention to what He's doing in you. Allow Him to speak. Allow the Spirit of God 
and his beautiful voice to rise above all the noise from our phones, all the noise of, of the world, all the fear and all the counter-fear. You know, there's fear and then there's counter-fear and sometimes when people fight, both are afraid. Right? Sometimes it's like that one. Let the Spirit of God speak, cut through all the noise. How has He been forming you? How has He been transforming you in the last however many months, in the last however two years? What has He been doing inside your heart? And it's not just you because our faith is not a private faith. He's birthing a nation. He's not birthing a hero. He's got his hero. Don't, 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 don't be mistaken. He's got his hero. He's at the right hand of the Father. It's Jesus. He doesn't need a new so-called hero. He's birthing a nation. He's birthing a, he's birthing a people out of every single one of us. Can I have the worship team on stage? What is he shaping inside your heart? Today, let it be one, one thing. One thing. You're watching online, just one thing. Here I bow in my worship. You will transform me. You will transform me. By the way, that joke was from my wife. Don't tell her. It's very lame. Okay? She got it from me, but she gave it to me as well. In our worship, He will transform us. And one day, church, you are going to be a mighty steed carrying the king into battle. As the music swells, every one of us, what battles are you facing, my friends? What battles are you facing? I want you to know the Lord has a battle and He don't lose His battle. And if you can transfer your battle to His battle so that you fight His battles, you get onto a winning battle. He fights for you. You want to know how battles are won? Not won, won. You want to know how battles are won? Bent knees. Here I bow. When I fight, I fight on my knees. Right? I sing through the night. The battle belongs to you, right? We sing that song. We're not singing that song now. We're singing here, I bow. Because we want to bow. My friends, I spent this year in Ezekiel. I want to share with you very personally. I spent this year in Ezekiel. And there is a chapter on, uh, on 37. He raises up an army, right? He breathes new life upon an army. Broken bones, dry bones, he breathed life onto dry bones and then they, what? Form. They gather, they clank together and, and, and get attached to one another. And an army forms, a, a, a skeletal structure forms. And then sinew and flesh and bone and blood and skin and facial features and hair. And they become they become a people, they form and they transform. Ezekiel 37, he raises up an army. Ezekiel 38, Gog and Magog. All the confederacy of the enemies of God gather to wage war against Yahweh. 
guess what? Ezekiel 38, Gog and Magog. Ezekiel 39, Gog and Magog. And you read through. The logical way to read that is that this army from 37 is going to show up. And I'm going to see a huge battle. Like the battle at the end of a trilogy. Go read Ezekiel 39. God sends earthquake. The mountains shake. The lightning strikes. They all die. Not one mention of that army. I thought we were going to fight the battle. I was all set. I was all set for battle, my friends. I made you a war horse. I fought the battle. I sent the mountains to quake. I sent the lightning to strike. I shook the foundations of the earth. I fought your battles for you. I have been fighting your battles for you all your life. As long as you bend your knee before you, I will fight your battle. When Hezekiah bent his knee before the Lord, 185,000 outside the walls of Jerusalem died the next morning. God has been fighting our battles all of our lives. As much as all we need to do is bend your knee, bend your knee before the Lord. So if you are here among the 130, I want to encourage you, rise up and bend your knee. I know, I know you're sitting down and your knees are bent. It's not the same kind of bending. I want to encourage you, if you can, rise up and bend your knee and bow. And Uncle B is going to lead us to worship and lead in this song that says, So here I bow, right? Right? And we're going to bow. So if you can, at home, get off your seat. Get off your seat because this is a God moment. Get out of that seat and bend your knee before King Jesus and let him win your battle. Father, we want to thank you, Lord God, that you break the yoke of Satan. You crush the head of the serpent and you raise up your people. You gather them, you form them, you transform them, you birth them, you birth them. Shall a nation be birthed in a day, Lord? You are birthing your people in our midst, oh God. I thank you that in homes all across Klang Valley, Malaysia, even maybe even in some parts of the world, right now, knees are bent before you. Form a new people. Transform us, Lord God, into the image of your Son. And Lord, fight the battle. Fight the battle. And we are ready. We, your mighty steeds in battle, are ready. We, your war horses, are ready. So friends, be empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go out, go forth on Monday, go forth. This evening, go forth. Don't wait for Monday, go forth. And let your light so shine before all men that they may give praise to Yahweh your Father. Now the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord turn His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His countenance toward you and give you shalom. And all of God's people shout aloud. Amen. Amen. Let's give God praise. If you're at home, 
give God praise. If you are 130 here, give God praise.